0: Father, I would pray that the gap between heaven and earth would be um, no more. Father, we have already prayed that your kingdom is to come um, just like it is being expressed in, in heaven, it would come to earth. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may you transcend this moment beyond someone behind a pulpit speaking just words. May everyone who hears hear you speaking to them. And may this be filled with your grace and your goodness and your fatherly care. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. psalm 80 is a psalm that is packed with emotion Uh, the psalms are described by john calvin as the anatomy of the soul so you want to read about your soul turn to the book of psalms there's 150 of them and the psalms are very helpful for us to understand that our emotions are very much part of our humanity and can be expressed to God. Now, what we're doing in this time is we're looking at the Psalms and looking at Advent through the eyes of the Psalms to, to see or to feel a bit what it would have been like to have been mary or zechariah or joseph or any of the, the the people we read about in the early narratives of of the gospels what would have been like for them were they feeling these kinds of things and then for us who anticipating the next return of christ we we as well have these similar kinds of feelings because christ is going to return and in a very concrete way finish what he started in the resurrection from the dead so what is it like to hear really good news what's it like to have really good news do you remember the day that you perhaps if you've been to college you got that admissions letter wasn't that cool uh, some of you are so bright you got, all, you got multiple admissions letters. They became ho hum, I'm sure. But what was it like to get some good news? What's it, do you remember what it's like to, to hear good news? There's a poem by a poet named Joe McDougall, and the name of the poem is called Mammogram. And here's how it goes they're benign the radiologist says, pointing to the specks on the X-ray that looked like dust motes, stopped cold in their dance. His words take my spine like flame. I suddenly love the radiologist. The nurse, my paper gown, the vapid print on the dressing room wall. I put on my radiant clothes, I step out into the Hanging Gardens, the Taj Mahal, the Niagara Falls of the parking lot. See what happened there? That anxiousness, would there be good news in this moment? And the remarkable moment when the radiologist says they're benign, they, they have no threatening power. And the, and the thrill, the, the poet describes it, that his words take my spine like flame. That's a person who's experiencing renewal. Things are good. Life, in t- life is good. I'm going to survive. Some good news is shining down upon me. Well, the psalmist in Psalm 80 is crying out, O God, shine down your presence. Shine your face upon Israel. Shine your redemptive grace upon Israel. the psalmist is crying out to have God's attention upon Israel. God's attention. Um, a good, some good friends of ours, Marianne and mine, um, her name is Tabitha, and she's married to a professor at Covenant College, and she has this really troubling uh, nerve disorder in her body. It's very, very rare. And she recently went uh, on a second trip to the Mayo Clinic. And she's having to live, having gone to this remarkable research hospital, and all they really can do is say, yeah, this is your condition. This is what's going on. And she's going to live For the rest of her life, unless something happens with a a sensation of her body feels like it is on fire, uh, you will be talking to her, and she looks perfectly normal, but she will uh, then later tell you that I just had an episode of remarkable pain. Uh, She is going to have to wait for the shining good news that a new body for her is coming. I think Psalm 80 is remarkably refreshing because it's honest. It talks about, in a visceral way, something has got to happen from, from God's side because this person can't make anything happen. It's a remarkably honest moment, very countercultural that in a world where we believe that through our choices we can sort of make ourselves right, that we can find relief because we make right choices, this is a remarkable psalm that says, God, if you don't shine, Israel will not live. The psalmist is awakened to a certain kind of pain. The pain is the sense that God's presence is not felt you ever felt that is it okay to be a christian and to admit that to be honest with that a certain kind of pain in fact this psalmist is essentially saying because you're not shining your face upon me god and upon israel i am not the same i'm not the same i'm not myself It's a call for a deep personal connection. We live in an age that would assume that if you want to access God, uh, you can do that anytime you want. The Pew Research Center uh, continues to come up with uh, research as to why Americans are declining in their church attendance. And I read a few of the some of their, the comments that people gave these researchers, and one person said, well, I can pray to God anywhere, and I don't need a church to do that. Well, in and of itself, that's sort of a true statement, isn't it? Yeah, you can pray to God anywhere. But behind that statement is this sense of I can access God anytime I want. And we're not sure what kind of God we're talking about here, but let's just... So the idea is that we think we can access the almighty any time we want, that's that's typical Americans. why not? He's part of the the grand buffet of meeting my needs. Well, it's not so simple in the Bible as just well, yeah, I, I want to know you, God, so why don't you show up? Here's someone in Psalm 80 who's recounting the history of Israel and what God did and is aware that God is at this present moment not shining the countenance of his favor upon his people, and the psalmist can't figure it out. The sense that God looks upon us, the sense that God is looking upon you, that that makes a great deal of difference our friend tabitha who went to the mayo clinic the sense that these remarkable doctors she they gave her their attention imagine going to the hospital anticipating that you're going to meet with the doctors and they're going to talk to you about your condition and they they don't have time for you or imagine the difference it means that that they have marshaled their resources they they come and they have a file on you, they've done research, they hold up the x-rays, and they give you an analysis, a uh, uh, their best thoughts on you. You have got their attention, isn't that that's that's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. And the other side of just not being able to to have attention it's an awful place, isn't it? Interesting that in uh, what's called the magnificat because it's the first. Uh, the the word uh, magnificent is the word uh, that Mary uses in translated in Latin, but her prayer of thanksgiving to God recorded in Luke chapter one, it's interesting that her first comments are, uh, he says this, she says this, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary's first comment, when the angel Gabriel explains to her that she will bear the Christ child, her first response is, God has looked upon me. He's looked upon me. In Advent, we are seeing that God turns his attention to the needs of the world, fulfills his promises throughout the Old Testament that a Redeemer would come and he looks upon The need for redemption, and Jesus is born to fix the issue between God and man, the problems that exist. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. What were the old things? The old things were the world of sin and rebellion, sorrow and misery. The new things that have come is that God has promised his permanent gaze upon you through Jesus. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. The psalmist here is crying out, shine upon us and we will be saved. God responds ultimately by sending Jesus and brings salvation. This psalm is a cry for God to shine forth. God, in the splendor of your light, show forth your fiery, bright, rescuing glory. Show us your glory. You have left us hanging on the promises and they seem unfulfilled and you seem unattentive to your promises. The psalmist cries out and says that we are in the homeland. We are in the place where you planted us as a people. But your face has not turned toward us. They are out of sorts. They are no longer like themselves. And the supplication built builds with intensity. Verse 3 says, restore us, O God. Verse 7 says, restore us, O God of hosts. That's referring to the armies of angels. And then verse 19 says, restore us, O Lord God of hosts. The psalmist, it builds with intensity their, their desire to cry out to God, and have him shine on them. How long will you be turned away? Even their prayers, they sensed God was not listening to them. So these are remarkable images of an individual who is suffering because they sense God is not looking upon them. Mary's response tells us that God does finally shine upon His people. He shines upon them and answers the cry of Psalm 80 in the sending of Jesus. He has looked upon the humble estate of Mary. He's looked upon the world and its sin. He's looked upon the need for a Redeemer, and He has brought His restorative glory in the coming of Jesus. And it is to shine upon God's people. In Luke 17, we have an account of the glory of Jesus emanating through his physical body. He is transfigured. It's nicknamed the Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter, James, and John are there and Jesus is transfigured. There, there is an unveiling of who he is in his person. There is an unveiling of glory. The next revelation of glory is in the resurrection of Jesus. And that for a time, the, the glory of Jesus was made manifest on this earth. It certainly was manifested in his teaching, in his healings, miracles. But we see for a moment in the Mount of Transfiguration and in the resurrection, we see a preview of what's coming. And what's coming is going to be that Jesus will join the Father among the heavenly hosts and he will return to the glory that he had with the Father. In his time on this earth, it was largely hidden from people. The psalmist in Psalm 80 is after the the redeeming glory of God, his power, his, his power to overcome this woeful world. And so for us, where do we look to see God's glory? Where do we look? We look to the ascended Jesus who has returned to his state of glory with the Father. We look with eyes of faith and recognize that God has promised to all who have faith in Jesus that we are in union with him, and he promises that his face will shine upon us forever. This is not a promise for a temporary country like Israel, that had temporary structures like the temple. This is a promise that will continue on in the new heavens and the new earth. That is, through the radiant glory of the Redeemer, we will find life. God intends to bring glory to the earth through the reigning Christ and to shine His countenance, His favorable countenance upon those whom he has chosen. Remember the angelic host recorded in Luke chapter 2 with the shepherds being instructed about the, 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 the Christ child being born in a manger, and then suddenly there appeared before these shepherds an angelic host, and what are they saying or singing? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God intends for us to feel and to sense and to know His shining face through Jesus. This is the promise that is given all who believe in Christ. Jesus had a glory conversation with the Father. This is recorded in John 17. Listen to these words. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven. And said, "Father, the hour has come. glorify your Son, that the Son may glory you, glor- glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given, and this is eternal life that they know you, the the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do this is john seventeen five now and now, Father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. As Jesus is ascended up into heaven, he has has asked that the Father would glorify him with the glory that he had with the Father before anything was made. You and I have been made to experience and to walk and to live in the presence of God and to know his smile upon us. Now, what's happened with sin? Sin, we've become habituated to the idea that uh, 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 I can't see God. uh, I am pretty used to this world. I kind of meet my needs. I know how to feed myself. I know how to clothe myself. I know how to put shelter over my head. In other words, we have a diminished view of what it means to be a human being. We have, it's actually pretty rare, have someone interested in intimacy with God. Most people in our postmodern world have no interest in that at all. It's not a category, it's not it's not it's not a need. Yet this, biblically speaking, the desire that you would the, the, the fact that you would know God or you've been designed to know God is core to your very existence. You can't be a human being apart from this. Psalm 80 is saying, I can't live, I can't function without your shining face of redemptive glory upon me and upon my people, upon this nation. And so what we're being called to do in this moment when we are waiting for the second return of Christ is we are being called to look with eyes of faith at the glorified Jesus who conquered death and hell and sin, rose glorious, is ascended on high, and to have our eyes fixed on his promises while we wait his return. 1 Peter 1.8 Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's a contrast to Psalm 80, isn't it? The task for us is this. Store up beautiful, remarkable promises of God, things that warm your heart, things that fill you with hope, Dwell on these things. Reflect on them. Cause these things to help strengthen your faith. And at times you will, in the language of 1 Peter, you will rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The restorative glory is what you need Sunday after Sunday. Restorative glory. You need to know. I need to know. There is a God in heaven who has conquered this woeful world. This hard, difficult place. There is one who has masterfully and has a masterfully conquered this troubled place. I cannot see the goodness that's going on. That I'm promised is underway. The new heavens and earth are coming but I can see Jesus crucified, dead, risen, and ascended into glory. I can see that with the eyes of faith. Jesus rose from the dead, proving he had the the Father's benediction upon him, the Father's approval upon him. His rising from the dead meant that his atonement and his offering on the cross was received by the Father. That moment when the Father did not shine His face upon His own Son and His Son cried out, Why have you forsaken Me? When Jesus became the psalmist we're hearing about, the one who cries out for the face of God to shine upon Him, Jesus embodies this cry in His very experience on the the cross. The Father receives his representation for sinners. He's representing sinners. The Father receives it. How do we know? Because he rose from the dead. And the glory that we want to see is the glory that that says, God, you are going to bring all things to a wonderful conclusion and great purposes are underway. Shine on us is the cry from Psalm 80. And the answer in the New Testament is, God does. He does magnificently through Jesus. The Son of God experienced the darkness and alienation when the Father turned away from the sin-bearing Son. Where, the 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 psalmist cries out, where can I find the presence of God permanently resting upon His people? Where can we get His smile upon us? Where can we get His approval upon us? Where can we get his attention upon us? And the answer is not by our works, not by our piety, not by our anything. It is through the one who came who represented us. We are in union with him, and God smiles upon his son, and he smiles upon all who are in his son. Where can you find the presence of God permanently resting upon you, if your faith is in Jesus, you have the righteousness of God covering you, and his smile remains on you. Now, there will be moments when you do not feel this. There will be moments of great trial, of great temptation, of great hardship in this world. But these are not evidence that God has stopped his favor of you through Jesus. These are not signposts that you are not acceptable. It's very, very important that we know that the restorative glory that we hope for by sheer simple faith in Jesus is ours as a permanent, permanent promise to us. The cry of Psalm eighty is still our cry. May we each cry to God, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. God intends to fill you with the promise that he does save through Jesus. Let's pray. Father, it's okay to cry. Father, we are in this unique world where Jesus has come and yet he's coming again. We want to sense and know your restorative love to us, that you're shining upon us. Father, I don't know how many here are still wondering if if sheer faith in Jesus is sufficient. Strengthen their faith, O God. Father, thank you for this Advent season that reminds us that to have you look upon this earth and to move mightily in Jesus is more than enough. Father, thank you for this season that reminds us that we long and wait for a Savior to come. And so, Lord, strengthen us by your shining face upon us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.